This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm your sometimes other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, we've got a great episode today. We've got Connell Barr from C-Bar Inspections. And why we wanted to have a commercial inspector on is we've received quite a few emails over the time period sort of saying like, do I need a commercial inspector? Why is it so much money? What goes into it? So we wanted to bring Connell on today to talk about, to sort of shed some light on what goes into this. And a lot of people may or may not know when you're buying to say a small non-strata building, you essentially are the strata to some degree that if the roof goes or if the HVAC system goes or there's electrical problem or who knows what, that you're spending that money out of pocket. So right. when you're buying these buildings for millions of dollars, you got to budget for all this stuff because like if you bought something that had maybe a 10,000 square foot roof problem, you could be hundreds of thousands of dollars into costs after the fact of closing, not getting that inspected to know what you're doing before you buy it would be the silliest thing in my opinion. So we wanted to bring Connell on today to shed some light and walk through what goes into all these inspections and why the reports are 40 pages. Well, and this is, as somebody who, would you say you were a, a serial acquirer of commercial real estate? I I could have worse habits. <laughs> you could have worse habits. I could habits, have worse habits. But, but Connell is your go-to. This yeah, is the guy I, who, you get him to inspect every one of your Yeah, of your so I, I, had, I had the pleasure of meeting Connell probably a decade ago. And I met him, I think a client was using him at the time. I don't think I'd, I'd met him yet. And I was just really impressed with just how thorough he was. And uh, the report was really, really detailed. And he took the time to sort of walk me through after. And there's a lot of great inspectors out of there. And some people choose to use different inspectors in different markets. So they want to use engineers. And I mean, that that's all totally fine. I just have a really high level of trust in Connell and what he's done for us on our acquisitions of our building. And we talk a little bit on the podcast there about he determined a situation that was an extremely costly situation that we were not aware of, that the building inspection caught that actually ended up reducing the price of this building by about 250000 Just because, like I said, our metrics on our numbers changed dramatically right. by finding this that could have cost us a lot more money, which would have made the investment a lot harder to generate the revenue we were looking for. So so I have a tremendous amount of trust in him. Uh, he's always been really, really good. And we send him everywhere, all over the province, wherever we're acquiring a building, we fly him in or send him in a car. You know, one thing that struck me early on in this conversation, and it's a it's a great conversation and learned a ton, but is, I think you said it, where, you know, somebody's chasing a higher cap rate. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this goes hand in hand, chasing a higher cap rate, chintzing on an inspection. Yeah. And any cash flow is immaterial when you have to replace a roof yeah. two or three years so, in. So here, here's, here's just real simple numbers. If I'm buying a building for $2 million and I don't get it inspected, and I find out after closing within that first year, I might have $200,000 in deficiency work, maybe a new roof or patch roofs, or maybe I have an HVAC system issue or mechanical problems within the HVAC system, that I spend $200,000 after closing on costs that I cannot recover from my tenants because my leases all deem these as capital improvements. Right. Well, that's 10% of the building price I just paid. 
So there's a lot of things that can chase and change numbers really, really fast. So you'll hear things like words like deferred maintenance. And sometimes you'll find where, you I mean, maybe I get a cap rate of four, not four and a half because the building is pretty much self-contained, meaning like everything is in good working order right. or recently replaced or whatever it is. And that saves me having to spend that $200,000 later, which if I take that $200,000 that I have to spend after the fact and after my closing costs and all of that stuff, my cap rate's probably not four, four and a half anymore. Right. And then on top of that, too, you just don't know how extensive these repairs can be because we talk a little bit of how when it rains, it pours. Is you mean a lot of these systems are all connected to each other. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. there's a problem in system A that you're not, you're, you're, you're neglecting that filters into system B and then it's like a downward spiral. So, so you mean yeah. making sure the buildings are in decent working order, or at least if you're buying something, you know, going into it, like, hey, the roof is going to go. I know that it's 25 year old building original roof on it, tar and gravel, torch on, whatever it is, I can at least budget for it going in right. versus me finding out after the fact and then not being able to recover these costs and then I'm writing big checks I don't have. You know, just thinking about this in the really busy times, you know, a year, year yeah. and a half ago, you would hear about subject free in the commercial world. It's yeah. it's m- much rarer than in the residential world as I understand, but there were situations. Were you ever watching something that seemed clearly like priced in a way with a really attractive cap rate to generate multiple offers and potentially get those subject free offers where people waive inspections because the buildings were maybe not up to snuff like is that a strategy that actually was used welcome to nanaimo <laughs> so when, when i when i say that is is because the you know i'm not saying they were priced that way but they were very attractive a very attractive market and we've talked a lot about about great investment opportunities and that's right. one we believe in there was buildings over there that there was a situation where I believe they had, I want to say 11 offers on the building. And I do believe it ended up going subject free. Now, usually when you're selling commercial real estate and, and stacked office buildings and stuff, sometimes you might even bring your inspector in before you write, right. there might be a day for offers are due. So you bring an inspector in before, right? Similar sometimes you can sign and get a, get a CA package, a confidentiality agreement signed and you get a big package. And part of that is the maintenance records. Right. So you're kind of like seeing that the HVAC system is serviced every three months and you're going through service contracts and all that stuff. So, so you can sometimes do that. Again, I'm not saying if you're spending eight or nine million dollars that you don't want to spend another four or five thousand to make sure you know what you're getting. Right. But in a situation like that where there is multiple offers and that stuff, typically there's not the same emotion involved as there would be in residential where it's like sign one quickly. Let's go buy the house we always want. Yeah. It's kind of like take a step back, evaluate the offers, look at the quality of buyers on it. Because even, even if you don't have a subject free offer, our subject periods are typically 30, 45, something 60 or 90. And then development land can be longer is you want to make sure you pick the right horse because sometimes you might get an agent. And again, we'll just, I'm not saying residential is bad, but maybe they they they, sure. they, they don't sell know residential they're yeah. and they're now presenting an offer on a $9 million office building for a number that doesn't make sense. Everyone else is priced a little bit lower. So you almost think you're going to want to get sucked into that only to find out that you mean maybe the agent doesn't have the experience, the buyer doesn't have the experience. They start diving into it. They're like, we can't afford this. Yeah. Momentum is gone. So the quality of buyer makes a big difference in a situation like that, especially when you get that many interested parties, if you don't have anything unconditional. But if you do get in a situation like that in a very large building, sometimes there's maintenance records to inspect or you're bringing Connell in or an inspector in prior to offer date, you're pay, you're taking the risk, you're spending the three to $5,000 to get the inspection because, you know, God forbid, you don't do that. You do get caught up in the hype. It turns into an auction. You're buying a $20 Discman 
for, for 60 bucks because you don't want to lose to the next guy. And then you find out you got half a million dollars in problems after the fact. And now those numbers have changed dramatically and may not be as attractive as you once thought. So there is a little bit different of a situation in commercial. But again, not saying that people don't not inspect stuff and still write unconditional offers because we do see that from time to time. Yeah. And like Connell said, there's there's never a good time not to get an inspection. I just want to note one thing. You're using an analogy and talking about a discman, which I find is interesting. Yeah, well, well, where it comes into play is I remember probably, this is probably maybe 20 years ago now. Yeah. I was at an auction. I think it was in Maple Ridge. And they had like a discman. Like a discman was up. Like a Sony discman? Yeah, or like a a shockwave. Remember those ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was probably worth like 40 bucks, 60 bucks at London Drug. I got caught up in the bidding. And I wasn't going to lose. And I ended up buying it only to find out I probably paid double for what I could have bought it for London Drugs, which just happened to be literally down the street from where yeah. this was taking yeah. place. And I was like, wow, I just I could have bought two for this price. But I was so caught up in the... I got in, so in emotional winning. that I was not going to lose this Discman or Walkman, whatever it was, that I ended up probably paying double for it. Now, that that analogy could apply in real estate where science people are just get so wrapped up in the actual process of it or there's an ego issue or who knows what right. that they're so determined not to lose that you end up paying a little bit more than you think for the building, which long-term, nine times out of 10, you win. But in commercial, if you buy the whole building, you might pay $300,000 more than what you thought for the building. But if it's not properly inspected, you might end up paying 500000 on top of that for deferred maintenance problems that you weren't anticipating. So now you you might have paid $800,000 more, which that no one likes to be in that situation. Right. Well, one thing's for sure, uh, you didn't get your money back on that distance. <laughs> no, I... I I probably ran every day just to get my money's worth. And I, it probably wasn't a shock one. So you know how you're running it just and you're, 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 you're holding it like a Bible for it not to skip when you're running. And every two seconds you're stopping because it's skipping and you're getting frustrated. That was most likely what I probably spent the double the money on, I'm sure. Fantastic. Well, well maybe we should uh, cut to our talk with Inspector Connell Barr. This one is great. Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Alan, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. So we're here with Connell Barr from C-Bar Inspections. How you doing, Connell? Very good. And you? Very well, thanks. Connell, I've got to know you quite a bit over the past 10 years, but for all of our listeners who don't know you just yet, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, how you got into the uh, commercial inspection business? Well, it all started way back when I was building houses. I built in Japan most of my construction, did some construction here, did uh, apartments and residential homes. And friends kept asking me to come and do them a favor and look at a house. I'm thinking, I should get paid for this. (laughs) So about 23, 24 years ago, I I went back and did the courses and went through all the uh, formality and then uh, became a home inspector. But Commercial has always inspect, interested me. So then I started off on the, about 15 years ago, started doing the commercial, went through the courses they offer and uh, a lot of studying. And then since then, it's been experience. And Connell, just out of curiosity, did you say you built multifamily in Japan? 
Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. They were, um, I had an, an export business, so I would export, it's called a takeoff. And somebody sends in a blueprint and I would calculate all the material needed and I would ship it to Japan. And then I'd go over there and I would build the building. And a lot of times it was these very simple apartment buildings that were two-story walk-up built on slab on grade. And we would put three of them up right beside each other. And it was just bang, 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 very fast. And did you build in Vancouver as well? And and the reason I'm asking, I'm just curious in terms of the process and the build process, also the regulatory environment. I don't know if you have any, if you kind of got that deep into it, but yeah, just curious in terms of different political and cultural building environments. Well, the construction I did in Vancouver was, well, Surrey actually, uh, was helping somebody else construct houses where he would say, okay, do this. I'll be back at the end of the day and I would build the house. But uh, he was the main builder, contractor on site. The biggest difference between doing that and a residential home is it's commercial, basically. And people want to make money. That's the biggest issue. So when I'm over there building apartment buildings, get it done fast so I can get my next draw in the bank and I get this building rented. Whereas residential is a little bit more uh, leeway. Like I did log homes as well, and they would come out and have a barbecue in the middle of the day. They didn't care how long it took me. <laughs> well, that kind of sounds like how this podcast works. Adam shows up in the morning, says go to work, and then comes back at the end of the day, and me and Matt sit up in a room with no windows and record podcasts. <laughs> so, Connor, one reason why we wanted to have you on the show is we did have actually quite a few listeners over the last little while had sort of sent emails and... Um, we do get a lot of sort of like mom and pop entry level uh, commercial investors. And the questions come up as, do I need a commercial inspection? Why do I need a commercial inspection? How much do they inspect? Why is my quote a lot more than what I thought when I buy when, a condo, when I bought a one bedroom condo? So, I mean, can you maybe elaborate and and you can maybe sort of touch base and and on the, you know, the detail that goes into it, but can you maybe walk our listeners through what goes into a commercial inspection? And maybe as an example, we'll say a single story, you know, 10,000 square foot commercial building. What are you actually inspecting? Because I think a lot of people might just assume that, you I mean, you're doing a quick walk around and making some notes if you see any cracks in the wall. Yeah, that's a very uh, integrated question because there are different types of inspections that uh, happen. So can we start with that? Can you maybe tell us what types of inspections that potentially could happen? Sure. There's mine and then there's all the rest. <laughs> and which one's better, Connell? <laughs> Be honest. So there's, uh, there's the uh, the team approach method of inspecting a uh, commercial property, which is where I would come in with a team, and the, the team would be made up of an HVAC specialist, a roofing specialist, electric electrician, a plumbing specialist. This is the expensive version, by the way. And all of those guys would charge me a fee, and they would give me their summary of the uh, of their specialty. And I would compile that in a executive report and then present it to the builder. That is very rarely done. Most people buying just want a preliminary inspection. They want to know, well, is everything looking pretty good? And if not, where should I be concentrating? And I would go up and I'd see up on the roof, one HVAC system isn't working properly. And I said, well, there you've got an HVAC system that's our air handler, the heating and cooling system on the roof that hasn't been maintained, it's rusty, maybe the refrigerant lines are damaged or something, it's near the end of its life. You better count on $10,000 when you buy this place to replace it, something like that. So my inspection would be made up of uh, going up to the building and looking at the exterior, the roof, 
the structural integrity once I'm inside looking at the walls. A lot of those warehouses are tilt-up concrete. So I'm looking at the connections between the tilt-up slabs. The electrical, having a quick look at that. Now, I say quick because I'm not removing the electric panel cover and looking at all the wiring inside. I'm just looking at the amps per panel and where that panel provides power to. You've got a 400-amp system coming here and then a 200-amp going off to the warehouse. And then the plumbing is, um, that's not a, a big issue usually. Water runs downhill under pressure, can go uphill. There's nothing. You look for problems with that, leaks, problematic uh, tubing and that sort of thing. The biggest would be the HVAC system. And typically, you've got the air handler on the roof. And I would be up on the roof. I would be checking the filter system and taking the covers off and looking inside for problems there. And then compiling a report for the buyer. And what they want to know is how much is it going to cost me if I buy this building? They're not really looking at it like uh, when somebody goes out and buys a house, they look at the kitchen. Oh, I love that wolf stove. Mm-hmm. Let's buy the house. They don't, they don't care about the little details. They want to know, is this going to be a uh, very expensive endeavor? And so then I would compile the report and then they can go and get their own estimates for repairs or, and replacement costs. Or I could work on that with them and, and come up with uh, some prices. But most people in the business, they know people. Uh, who do these replacements. So one thing, Connell, that maybe then I'm glad you sort of took the time to sort of walk us through that is is a lot of people, when you're buying a commercial building as a landlord, um, and it's not a strata property, you are essentially the strata for some, for, for lack of better words, where you have to now repair the roof and you have to now yeah. deal with the plumbing and you have to now deal with the HVAC system. And in a lot of commercial leases, sometimes capital improvement costs, such as an HVAC unit or structural issues, you cannot recapture those costs from your tenants. So those are out-of-pocket expenses. So where are some people make the mistake when they buy these buildings? They look at a cap rate of five. They don't incorporate any of their closing costs into that cap rate. And they don't, enclose, in, don't incorporate any of the costs after the fact of repairs that they may not be able to recover from tenants. So you do see a lot of people that will get sucked into size higher cap rates. And then you get what they call deferred maintenance on the building. And after you close on it, Connell comes by and he does his big inspection and he gives you a 60-page report the whole bunch of beautiful photos of all your problems. And then you sit there and you look at it and say, okay, well, that's half a million dollars that you need to account for when you're buying your building. And if you close on that and you don't get it properly inspected or you don't properly account for it and you have an HVAC system go, that could be ten or 15,000 for the rooftop unit. And then you could have an electrical problem. There could be another four or 5,000. So these costs can add up extremely fast after closing. So you do hear a lot of people that prefer maybe to get a lower cap rate sometimes and no deferred maintenance versus a higher and deferred because the cost of a roof right now, Connell, you know better than I I do, but it's, it's not cheap. And when you're looking at 10,000 and 20,000 square foot buildings that need a 10,000 or a 20,000 square foot roof, you're hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix hundreds these problems. Yeah. Problems. Yeah. Is there, now this is from the residential side, um, just thinking about all the documentation, I guess, on the strata side that that we go through, including a depreciation report. On the commercial side, are there other are there documents apart from the inspection, Connell, that people should be should be looking at, or is it is it just yeah. basically the yeah. the inspection? There was a recent job, and we don't have to give addresses, but um, for example, the blueprints were given to me, and uh, I discovered by looking at the blueprints and looking at the building that a specific wall which was required around a furnace wasn't put in 
uh, whether it was taken out or what, I don't know, but their original blueprints required it. It wasn't there, but I wouldn't have known that just by walking through the building that it was required with uh, original construction permit, but it wasn't there afterwards. As a matter of fact, it didn't look like it was ever there. So a set of blueprints is quite handy to have. Uh, there are other documents that, if available, should be handed to the inspector, and then the inspector can evaluate those. And but there's no, you know, on the residential side, of course, we have the depreciation report almost always when it comes to to strata properties. Is there's ne- on the commercial side, there's no documentation. Nobody's doing depreciation reports. No, you don't. You don't have to. No, right. like that's like Connell is your depreciation report to right. some degree. Like he comes in, and he makes you aware of how long the lifespan potentially of some of the items are. And I can I can give you a, a firsthand story. Connell inspected a building for us on Vancouver Island. That after we got his inspection report back, he found a lot of deficiencies that we didn't see. Like mm-hmm. you know, he went through and I think he was even in the basement crawling through, and and he provided a report to us. That to us was, I wouldn't say alarming, but made us aware of additional costs that we didn't see before. We then used that report. We presented it to the sellers and said, guys, we've, we've got some additional costs here that we weren't anticipating that we'd have to incur. That completely changed the metrics of our investment now. And we used Connell's report. We provided it to the sellers as a firsthand account that we weren't just come pulling numbers out of thin air. But we showed them the photos. We showed them the report. And we actually ended up negotiating $250,000 off the purchase price. Now, I'm not saying that's your strategy when you buy a property. But in this case, there was a lot of maintenance there that, that we didn't catch. And they, they weren't even aware about. And when they saw the report, they, they completely understood where we were coming from. And they adjusted the price $250,000 to compensate for some of the work that this property needed now. Because it, w- it, would, it, would, it would have been very disasterful for us if we bought it. And then had to sink another two hundred fifty thousand dollars into it right away after the fact when this was a repositioning and a value add building, where your capital numbers would change quite dramatically. So that's just a firsthand account of just how important commercial inspections are and valuable and valuable in that circumstance. Yeah, I remember that. That was a crawl space. I had yeah. about three feet to crawl around down there. I'm six foot uh, three. So that's kind of hard to crawl on a three foot. And then, and just for the listeners' sake, when I stand next to Connell, he looks about six foot nine. Because <laughs> I'm about I'm about five foot four. Elaborating a little bit on that, you know, I mean, this was a situation You're where at least five six. Corey, come on. If I, if I comb my hair straight up and push it five eight, <laughs> this is a situation where this building had a, a crawl space, not a basement, a crawl space, probably arguably three three and a half feet high. And when Connell was inspecting the property, he discovered that there was a buildup of water down there, and that there was a previous pump there that was used to get the water out of there. Which for us as building owners, when we look at that, you I mean anytime you have water coming in is never a, never a good situation. And by discovering that, we traced it back. We found a problem with the building that the sellers weren't really aware of. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they knew there was water buildup because there was a pump there at some point. But we traced it back. We got it properly looked at. We brought professionals in. We worked with the sellers on it, and that was something that we never would have discovered. A, because my my plump body would not fit under there. But B, <laughs> but B, we would never have thought to crawl under this building, which right. has a floor plate of probably 10,000 to 12,000 square feet. And this pump was like literally probably the opposite corner to where Connell started from. So he had to probably was, ar- yeah. ar- army crawl under all, mm-hmm. all the joists and everything to get there to find it. But because we discovered it, it saved us an enormous amount of money up front. But what could have been a very disasterful situation if we weren't aware of it, and you fast forward two or three years, and then you've got, you mean, water seeping in, you've got a whole bunch of issues. It could have been far greater of a problem 
the longer you leave it. And a lot of times in these commercial buildings, when it rains, it pours, uh, not figurative towards the water where one problem leads to another problem, leads to another problem. So if you're not taking a proactive approach and you think you're just going to ignore the fact, not realizing how the mechanical system, you know, it's power. So you have power, you know, everything kind of ties into each right. other. It can turn into a world of costs that you may never be able to recover back from your tenants that you're now pouring into your building, which is additional capital. So that's an example of just the importance of getting your building inspected. Can we kind of walk through what one of these commercial inspections looks like? Presumably, well, I should say, of course, the size of building matters, but the situation that Corey mentioned, like, did you know there was a crawl space there or is it just you get to the site and you start kind of digging around looking for anything? Like, how how do you go about the investigative work that uh, goes into one of the inspections? That's exactly it. When I, I didn't have blueprints for that property and that's a good example because not many buildings have crawl spaces not of that stature they would have a basement or they'd be built on on grade so underneath the stairs when i was looking underneath there just for issues i found an access that went down and underneath the building so i ventured down there that's one thing i like to do go where people don't go because that's where nobody has seen a problem right and that's where the problem can fester and fester until it's a big issue, like the rotten pony wall that I found in there. And as I crawled around in there, I found there was another access to the main building. There were there were two ages of construction. They had joined onto it, and by getting into there, I could get all the way into the, where you where I found the pump. So most of the time, I can go online beforehand and and look at the building and say, okay, I know what kind of building I'm looking at. I know what to charge on this property. But I get there, and then wow. I've got to I go spend an hour in a crawl space. So I don't always know before I go, but that's fine. But I go and I find out stuff and then I start winding my way through it and um, making record of what I find. And and what about, you know, we've we've had people on the show before talking about dry cleaners and gas stations and things like that. Is that part of your inspection or are you uh, literally looking at the the kind of physical components of the of the improvement on the land. Yeah, that would be the phase one and phase two inspection of the soil uh, and contaminants in the soil. I don't do those. I would advise, you know, have you got it and you better get it. When is the best time for somebody to get in touch with you? Like, is it during early on in the subject period? Is it before they write an offer on the property? Presumably it's not after subjects have been removed. <laughs> yeah, the, the wrong time is after you've taken possession. So the the sooner the better if you get a hold of me, I can give you, the buyer, everybody an idea of what the cost is going to be and how long it's going to take and the turnover time for the report. So knowing that, the buyers can move forward with, okay, now we have to keep in mind we have to have a week advance notice to Connell so he can get in and do this. Sometimes I get two months notice. That's fine. The more, the better. So come, get in contact with me. Let me give you an idea of what we're looking at and say, and then in April, we're going to have you come in and, and do the inspection. And then it comes to April, oh, we're not going through with it. Well, that's fine. You didn't go through with it. That's okay. But at least you got the information you needed so that you can move ahead without going, oh, wait, we have three days. He's not available for a week. One thing we definitely always recommend to clients is once you get a property under contract, assuming it's a freestanding building, that you want to reach out to your environmental guy right away to get that report going, contact your appraiser to get that report going, and then contact an inspector to get that going. And typically, if you do it properly, you'll get your environmental report phase one back in a week or so. 
make sure your property is clean, check. Okay, now I know that I'm not spending more money. I've now engaged the appraiser. I'm going to need that. That's two or three weeks. That can be simultaneously. I'm working on my financing and I'm going through my due diligence. And then typically you want to book Connell from the very start of it, but have him come in towards the end, maybe a week or 10 days before your subject removal, just to make sure you're not over exhausting your costs. And then Connell comes in with the hammer at the end and gets you the price discount you're looking for <laughs> by providing the, providing the report. And and it sounds like at least if Corey's involved, you travel, uh, Connell. Is there is there? Do you focus mainly on the Lower Mainland, or do you travel? Like clearly, you go to the island occasionally. Yeah, the, the I I go well. I, Kelowna to Vancouver Island is is kind of the area that I cover. Um, I have done inspections in Yellowknife, uh, not wow. in, in Whitehorse, and in um, Beaverton up in Yukon, and in Queen Charlotte Islands, but that's rare. And it's very costly because, of course, my hotel and my uh, moose stew and everything has to be paid for. <laughs> but in general, it's from the island over to Kelowna, mainly focusing in uh, the lower mainland. One thing you'll find, too, is when you're acquiring properties is you will build relationships with a guy like an appraiser or like an inspector like Connell that you, you grow to trust. Where for you, when you're buying a building and you're not typically spending 500000 on buildings now, you're spending $5 million on buildings. You want to bring in people that you trust, that you know are, are going to give you, you know, exactly what you need to hear, walk you through it. Connell takes the time to kind of walk you through the report after, gives you, you know, a rundown of it, lots of pictures. So for a company, so when we acquire buildings, like Connell was just in Kelowna for us, is we will we'll gladly pay the travel cost and the extra money to bring in an inspector that we are comfortable with the report. Of course. Yeah. Versus you might hire a local guy. I'm not saying that they're not good in Kelowna, but you might hire a local guy that you may not have a relationship with and the report may not be as detailed as you're expecting. They may not go and they may not check. You mean um, they may not use the heat sensor guns with the walls to see if there's water back there. So you so working with a good inspector and, and having a relationship with that inspector, it's worth the extra money to pay to bring that person in when you're spending this much money on properties, just because you know the end result is going to, you know, you're going to get what you expect at the end of the day. Versus you might get a report back that's not nearly as detailed and doesn't really provide you with the same level of comfort you're expecting. And and Connell, I'm just wondering, uh, in terms of the complicated nature of these inspections, I mean, if you're doing a, a two-bedroom condo, like it's, you know, a lot of guys can do that. A lot of A lot of inspectors can do that. And you can probably feel quite confident, you know, a 2017 concrete build, two-bedroom, you know, it's not not necessarily rocket science, but people that are able to do these types of inspections uh, presumably are few and far between. I guess that's why you're traveling. Your 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 area is so large. Like it strikes me as kind of crazy that you're going to Kelowna uh, or the island or you know up north. You know, I guess it's it's that skill set. It's a totally different uh, skill set of inspector. A lot of inspectors do both home and uh, commercial. I do both, but there are not many home inspectors who can also do commercial. Uh, it's a different process of writing a report. It's a different mindset of of um, customer, and, and that combined with what Corey was saying about uh, a, a report you're not familiar with, you get used to what a certain inspector how he produces his report, and you know where to look for stuff, and you find the information you want quite quickly. Mine has a summary at the beginning to make it even easier, but that's why I end up traveling because I guess Corey is used to my type of report. He knows 
well, if I look to the bottom, I'm going to see the infrared images and I know where to find everything. Even myself, when I look at someone else's report, excellent report, but I don't know how to navigate it. It's mm-hmm. the first time I've looked at it. And it's just, it's easier to uh, get used to a format and then rely on it. But yeah, you need uh, special training. You can't just decide to do commercial inspections. You have to go through courses and uh, and then you have to really get out there and start experiencing things. So Connell, I can, I can only imagine in your line of work, you've probably you've probably seen some pretty good and pretty bad situations. Do you have maybe a, mem- a memorable situation? We won't use addresses or client names, but do you have a memorable oh, yeah. situation or well, maybe a, a, a horror story that you could share? Or, or both? I, I wouldn't say... <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a horror story, but I was in this one building and it was midsummer and they said, we have a roof leak. And it was one of those really hot days about two years ago. And um, they they had this roof leak and they said it, it was happening this morning or it was happening this afternoon. <laughs> and it, well, it hasn't rained for like a week or two. And so I thought this has got to be condensation. And there are different things that cause condensation, but went up on the roof and I went over to the air handler and they had the air conditioning going full blast, but the filter hadn't been changed in who knows how long it was caked with debris. And so no air could get through. So all that refrigerant freezing cold air was backing up, causing frost to develop. And that frost was starting to melt where it got to the exterior, where the house, where the uh, atmosphere was warm so you got this frost melting and dripping backwards into the uh, air handler and then down into the ducting system and leaking into the ceiling. And there was their roof leak. So that that uh, whole air handler had to be replaced. Wow. That would be, yeah, that was, uh, and it was almost laughable that they were all talking about this roof leak and we have, and the roof was in great shape. The torch on roof and it looked really good, but uh, yeah, this old air handler. So in that case, is it, you know, everybody forgets to change out a filter every once in a while, but is that just, I guess, neglect? Was it ignorance in that situation or, or neglect? It was, or? it was a combination. It was uh, neglect and an old air handler at the same time. So, I mean, the air handler was aged, but it, I've seen older ones last longer, and, but it was just failure to go up and change the filter, which is very simple and cheap. It was a hard roof to get on. There was no ladder. I had to use an extension ladder so I could see why nobody wanted to be bothered with it. But maintenance is really big. You got to got to keep things up to save money in the long run. Right. So so that's actually you know it goes back to this idea of ignorance and ignorance being bliss when it comes to to maintenance in these situations. Do you have a piece of advice for for people? Like, do people ever get inspections? You know, say it's a long term hold and they've owned it for ten years. Does anyone ever call you and say, Hey, Connell, can you just come in and give us an idea of? of what we what we're doing right what we're doing wrong what what we should be aware of see, there's a whole new I, I love that question because there's a whole new plug to get more business that would be <laughs> ideal if, if, if people would have their building even on a lower scale uh just come through and, and tell us how our maintenance system is especially if you don't have a large company in charge of your maintenance right is not keeping good records i mean i can go into a boiler room and you see that the maintenance company uh, has kept records every time they're there. You look around, yeah, this is well taken care of. But then there's these self-managed buildings, and I don't know, it could be a um, a 12-unit condo uh, building, old 1960s building or something. So yeah, there's a there's a good reason to have a commercial inspector come through, you know, 10 years after you've owned a property, make sure everything's okay, and uh, or even more often, 
Right. And you would do like a visual just a there's different kind of levels of inspection there. Yeah, well, I would work with whatever the property is and say, okay, what do you want to know? And uh, we come up with a price for that. So it would have to be uh, it would have to be reasonable for the um, customer to actually go through with it. So okay, so as a final question, and I, I I think I know your answer to this, but you know, there's all all in the commercial world, there's all all different types of properties. Is there ever a good time? to purchase a property and not get a home inspection or uh, uh, an inspection? Never. Even pre-sale? Never what about pre-sale? What, I mean, do you, do you go, do you inspect pre-sales? Like when they're built, I guess, brand new construction? Well, there you have the building inspector uh, going through, you know, every step of the way that contractor building the unit has somebody looking at it. So you have an inspector. It's just not me, a commercial building inspector coming through. Um, that's making sure everything is done to building code. So you've got that checked off your list. Going ahead without a commercial inspector, that would probably be the only time I would say, yeah, I guess uh, we could go through and tell you there are no problems. You'd hear it from a second party. But, right. Um, but even like, so a, a newer a newer property, you're across the board, there's never a good time. Well, then we're going to be out of business if you start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can speak because obviously I get to see things from a bird's eye view for all of our offices. And we, we definitely see from time to time Sometimes buyers, they make the mistake of thinking they don't need one or they right. don't want one because they don't think it's worth the money they want to spend. And nine times out of 10, it comes back to bite them in the ass. Penny smart, pound foolish. Even if it doesn't bite them, they've got a, a list of, they've got documentation of what was there at the beginning that they yeah. can compare it to in, in five, 10 years. So, oh, look, it has changed or the crack in the wall. It, it was minor then, but look, it doesn't look so minor anymore. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. No, I think it's, it's, it's worth every single penny when you spend uh, to bring a commercial inspector in for any circumstance, just because the value of the property you're buying and the cost of the repairs, if overlooked, can be 10 times more than the cost of the appraisal. It's worth every, every penny. So Connell, before we let you go here, we have a six pack of lighthearted questions. We ask all of our guests to get to know you a little bit more outside of the office. Do you have a couple more minutes for us? Yeah, as long as the six pack is easier than going to the gym building one. <laughs> the six pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay, <laughs> first question up, Connell. Favorite band or musician? Aerosmith. Oh, that was Ooh. quick. That's a good one. That is a yeah, good one. how old am I? I was yeah, just going to say. That's, uh, a, that's, a, that's a great one. Yeah. I don't think we've had Aerosmith We have yet. not had Aerosmith. I was actually listening to uh, Crying the other day, driving into work. It popped up on my mix. So I was like, yeah, all right. Some Aerosmith. <laughs> right on. Uh, okay, uh, Connell, you've had a couple drinks. It's 12.30 a.m. You're about to leave, but you decide to do karaoke. Which, uh, which karaoke song are you singing? I don't do karaoke. Uh, first of all, it's called karaoke. You know I'm fluent in Japanese, right? Oh, the, uh, wow. Corey yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I don't even think Corey knew that. I had no idea. No, well, I lived in Japan. I went to university in Japan. And uh, the word is karaoke. And my friends hate it when, when I correct them. But it's kara is like in karate, karate. Yep. Kara yep. means empty. Kay. And oke okay is orchestra. So empty orchestra, karaoke. 
Oh, that's how they pronounce it. So it's not karaoke, first of all. And when I was there, the most embarrassing, I cannot sing. And they, they insist. And in Japan, if you say, I can't do it, they think you're just being hesitant and, and, and humble. But I yeah. really cannot sing. <laughs> and so they put on Beatles and they made me sing Beatles songs. And then they stopped and they had people come up, sing with me to drown me out. That's how bad it is. <laughs> well, I thought for sure you were going to say, like, dude looks like a lady or something. Was your, was your song, your Aerosmith song? Well, you had I carry with, well, I couldn't get a picture of that, but uh, I'd sing along to it. <laughs> all right, Connell, next question up. If you, have, if you have a book recommendation for all of our listeners, what book would that be? doesn't have to be real estate. It can be anything. Like Matt's favorite book is oh, anything, it, anything by Robert Munch. It Munch. wouldn't be real estate. <laughs> it wouldn't be real estate, but I like... Um, I like Stuart Wood's novels. I, I that just pops into mind because he gets to the point, gets to the story, and gets it done. He doesn't muck around describing everything for pages and pages. But I can't really. Well, that your, your book recommendation sounds like a Connell Bar inspection report, like right <laughs> to the point, no BS. Here's what you got to fix, <laughs> Connell. We usually ask favorite vacation spot. I feel like I want to know more about Japan. What, where's the one spot in Japan off the beaten path that you'd tell somebody to go? Uh, if they were headed there. Okinawa is uh, the tropical island. Of course, I like the vacation where it's warm. Uh, Okinawa, they even have a different language there, basically, but it is a very a southern, southern island that's uh, much like Hawaii, but a lot of people don't know about that area. And uh, it's, it's not your traditional Japan when you get there. Of course, you're in a, in a tropical environment there. So that's a really nice place to go. All the rest is you see it all, you know, throughout Honshu, which is the main island. You've got all these different places like Hiroshima and Tokyo, but you see that in the in the uh, travel books all the time. So, Connell, next question here: You've unfortunately done some bad deeds. You're sitting on death row, and you're given one final meal before they execute you. What meal are you oh, having? This question is where you get dead silence when you ask things like that. Um, <laughs> Well, my dessert would be cheesecake, cherry cheesecake, but I don't eat that. I just like, it's death row, so what the heck? <laughs> yeah, you're going, so you can have as many calories as you want. Your arteries don't mean anything when you're dying. Yeah, it doesn't so. mean anything, right? So, uh, yeah, that would be my dessert. Um, oh, I know, Kobe gyu, uh, Kobe steak. Oh, it, oh. it melts like butter. It's so good. Any particular restaurant you're getting the steak from? Well, I had it in Japan. I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it probably Kobe Steakhouse. It's on death row. Probably have that. Yeah, Corey. So yeah, well, still going in. Well, but yeah, Uber Eats now, right? You can you can order it in. <laughs> oh, from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Last question for you, uh, Connell. One piece of advice you would give anyone uh, buying commercial real estate from the point of view of the inspector. Use William Wright. On that note, <laughs> Connell, how can our how can our listeners find out more all about what you're working on and everything over at Seabar Inspections? There, my website would be a good place to start. Seabar Home Inspections. So it's if I don't put my name in because it's spelled C O N A L L, and a lot of people spell it in various ways, but it's Seabar uh, Inspections. And then, Connell, for our listeners too, you do both commercial and residential. So if someone was buying a condo or whatever, you also are available oh, yeah. for them on the acquisition side there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank, thanks so much, Connell. That was uh, that was great. Learned a lot. Thanks, Connell. Take care. Right. Okay, Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Connell Barr of C-Bar Inspections. 
That was a that was a fantastic conversation. I love getting guys that really know their craft and just yeah. asking them whatever comes into my mind. Yeah, and like I said, like we talked about a little bit on the on the interview there is is I've worked with Connell over the years, and he again he doesn't pull back any punches. Like he shows you exactly what it is, makes you fully aware of it. I've seen some maybe inspectors over the years that maybe haven't been as diligent, right. in my opinion, where someone like Connell will get the the heat sensor out and point the walls and look for you know when you get the the color pictures of the red and the blue where there's water and no water and all that stuff. And it, it makes a big difference because when, like when you're buying buildings, I mean, the repairs aren't cheap. And the minute there's the word commercial attached to anything, trades just run the price up. So what you might pay for your home for 500 bucks, you might pay 5,000 on a commercial building because right. it's commercial. So definitely worth every aspect. And I learned a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So what else do we have, Corey, for the day? I guess let's just talk about William Wright. We're getting there, yeah. So we have, uh, we just, we, Camelops is open and Nanaimo is set to open literally any day. I know I've been saying that for about a month now, but construction's finally done. Licensing is all done and we're just trying to figure out how to hook the fax machine up. And then we're, <laughs> we're in business. Right on. <laughs> right on. And how can people find out more? I know Connell uh, was singing your praises there. If somebody's interested in getting into this commercial bit world, how can they find out more about William Wright? They can reach us at our Vancouver office anytime at 604-428-5255. They can drop me an email, Corey at WilliamWright.ca. Let me know everything you let everything you like and don't like about the show. That's how we got Connell on. Enough people sent emails saying, tell us more about commercial building inspections. Or they can visit us at our we- our website, WilliamWright.ca. They can sign up for the latest and greatest news and we'll definitely do our best to help you out when we can. Speaking of websites, Corey, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com also has a new website. Amazing. And this is where the commercial real estate podcast lives. So if you want to, you can actually isolate for the commercial real estate podcast. You can isolate for things like building inspection and see all the epi- episodes we've ever done on the subject or investing in commercial real estate. Very useful stuff. That's VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And uh, I guess we'll be back next week. Like yeah, always. Another great episode next week. Teed up, ready to go. Thanks, guys, for listening. Take care. Take care. Subscribe today.